I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the Yearbook Wise Podcast. Friends, it's good to be back with you again. Uh, two weeks, uh, three weeks into the uh, into the new year. Uh, my kids are upstairs waiting for the snow to fly. We are under a winter storm warning to, uh, or in anticipation, I should say, of uh, somewhere between 12 and a lot more inches of snow. So we'll see how that goes over the, uh, the coming 24 hours. Uh, lots of news out of the yearbook podcast world. Uh, I wanted to highlight our friends, uh, Mike Taylor and Jim Jordan over at Wallsworth. Uh, Mike's current episode features uh, Mark Murray, uh, a mentor and guru on all things photography who has touched the lives and publications of uh, thousands upon thousands of student journalists uh, coast to coast. Uh, Mark is a dear friend of mine uh, and, and a mentor, uh, just absolutely tremendous uh, person and uh, photographer and photo instructor. Uh, that's an episode not to miss. Uh, Jim recently published uh, an episode uh, remembering fondly uh, Kathy Craighead, who passed away in 2018. Uh, she was an absolute uh, lion of an advisor uh, and trained and tutored and mentored and supported uh, advisors and kids alike uh, for decades and is uh, continued to, to be sorely missed uh, in our community. Um, Walsworth has, uh, has also uh, launched uh, since we've uh, spoken, actually I think it was just, just late last year, uh, Behind the Byline. And it's a really neat uh, uh, concept that uh, I'll have to figure out how to, uh, to, to implement but not plagiarize uh, because they're doing an awesome job talking to former yearbook kids who are out there in the big wide world uh, as professionals now in communications, media, and more. And uh, if solid, uh, <laughs> wish I thought of it first, um, but uh, a, a big uh, high five to the, the Walsworth Yearbook Podcast Network team on, uh, on launching their third and, uh, and developing the concept in the first place. Uh, another one not to be missed, it's uh, Behind the Byline. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you download your podcasts. A little bit closer to home with uh, Herf Jones podcasts, uh, Mind the Gutter. Haley and Nelson launched season two with an episode uh, featuring Queen yearbook Mary Kay Downs of uh, Chantilly, Virginia. Um, absolutely a, a must listen there as well. So we've got now, uh, by my count, five different yearbook podcasts out there. Um, all of them are available on the uh, on the major platforms and uh, and certainly not to be missed. Getting into um, this episode, the second uh, for season two of the Yearbook Wise, it was my pleasure uh, just a couple of weeks ago to sit down for uh, just under an hour with Ava Butzu. Uh, she is the advisor of Echo at Grand Blank High School and one of the 2018 H.L. Hall Yearbook Advisors of the Year. Uh, those are the awards that were just announced in December. Uh, I quoted the year wrong, of course, uh, in, the, uh, in the recording, as you'll note. And uh, we had a, a far-ranging conversation on all things business and marketing, uh, recruitment, uh, self-care, uh, you name it, we, I think we managed to get it in there, and uh, I think that you're going to like the listen. Uh, coming up on our feed, I've got a, uh, an episode that we'll post in another week or two with Rebecca Pollard uh, down Texas Way, uh, an advisor down there, and uh, I just got off the line with Caroline Dixon, um, a editor-in-chief at Holy Trinity Episcopal Academy, uh, she advised, or she edits the Tigrium, and she helped me out with our third How They Do That episode, wherein we look at established 1957, which is Tigrium's entry in the class of 2018 yearbooks, and is hands down uh, one of my favorites for its uh, design aesthetic, its coverage, and uh, just how they approach their entire 60-year uh, anniversary. So that one, uh, that episode with Caroline, how they do that, will be uh, two more slots further down the feed, uh, so you'll have to wait a little bit for that, but, uh, but it's coming. For now, though, friends, let's get into it with Ava Butzu, advisor at Echo in Grand Blank, Michigan. 
Well, joining me today on the podcast is Ava Butsu. Uh, Ava hails from Michigan and works at Grand Blanc High School. Ava, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And, and thanks for helping me uh, kick off. This will be among the first of the episodes in 2019. So uh, it's, it's good to be back at it and, and to have you uh, on board. You were, uh, you were recently recognized with a, a pretty significant honor. You were named as one of the HL Hall Special Recognition uh, Yearbook Advisors of the Year. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. That was very cool. What was that day like hearing that news? Uh, it was uh it was kind of crazy because I had been uh, teaching a yoga class that evening and uh, I got out to my car and turned my phone on and there were a million messages and um, it was just such a surprise and pretty, pretty awesome, pretty exciting. That's fantastic. And I'd like to interject too, I had no idea we were going to go here so quickly. Your self-care regimen uh, involves both yoga and either keeping your phone in your car or turning it off during the school day? Uh, I don't turn it off during the school day because I use it in my classroom, but um, I do turn it off um, when I'm practicing yoga and also at night, starting at about nine o'clock every night. We could all uh, take a lesson in the new year. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you work with Jostens, you publish with Jostens, and you're in Michigan. You've been involved in uh, MIPA up there. Uh, could you tell listeners a little bit about your background and all things your book and, and, and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I'm a regular English teacher, and I use um, air quotes around regular because there's nothing regular about it. Um, but pretty much everything that I've learned about your book has been through, um, has been self-taught, um, through attending workshops and studying other people's publications, which I still maintain is the best way to, um, to grow your own publication. Um, just trying to network and meet other yearbook advisors and pick their brains. Uh, so, um, I think this is my 22nd yearbook that I'm advising now and just sort of trying to add a layer or two every year and, and grow the program. Um, the school that I teach at Grand Blank has uh, almost 2,800 students, which is the second largest in the state of Michigan. Um, and so we've had to grow the yearbook program as the student population has grown also. Um, and it's a, it's a suburban school, so um, we have some pretty high-achieving students and um uh, I get, I'm lucky enough that I have some of those in my program. Uh, but just like every other school, we struggle with trying to, um, create an interest in our yearbook and encouraging people to, to want to have one of them. What's the name of your program? The book? Uh, the yearbook is the echo. The echo. And tell us a little bit more now that you've kind of set the baseline, uh, about, uh, Grand Blank and, and, and your community. Tell us a little bit about your staff and, and how it functions, uh, the number of students on your staff. Uh, the staff, uh, it ha- we have 64 students currently, um, and I have the the lucky um, problem right now of trying to figure out what to do. I have 43 kids who have applied to come back uh, for next year. Um, usually I have 24 so uh, one of the goals that, that I set this past year was to try to create a more positive um, feeling in the classroom. And I think it's worked um, having all these kids who want to come back next year. And so we, we have an editorial board of um, 24 students and we have 40 staffers who are in their first year. Uh, we have three hours of yearbook. So my editors are in my fourth hour. And then on either side in third and fifth hour is when the staffers are in the classroom and the editors will split up and be in either the third or fifth hour. So they are in a two hour block. And you, so you said two hour block, but does that also mean you're on block schedule on a five? We are not. Yeah, no, we're not. We have just regular 55 minute class periods. So. And how many a day? Seven? Uh, we have six classes a day. Okay. Wow. So we've, we're at nine at 42 minutes, um, and I'm Ooh. envious of that extra 13 for you because right it feels like right as we're getting into something, we've got to get back out of it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the coolest thing ever is that, you know, I teach first and second hour English and then third through fifth hour our yearbook and my sixth hour period is my prop. So okay. I can really dig my teeth into yearbook starting at about 9.30 every day. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I know already, uh, based on the history of the podcast, there's going to be people listening who are first-year advisors at schools of anywhere between two to 3,000 uh, students, 
and they've got like eight brand new rookies on staff. So lest we scare anybody off the podcast, I want to make sure that you and I are able to frame some of our advice and, and some of the kind of the color commentary, recognizing that you and I both have very large staffs um, with a lot of returners. And congratulations on fostering such a positive culture where you have 43 kids who want to come back next year. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's, yeah, that's one word for it. Um, but maybe we start there. Um, I, I brought you on the podcast to talk specifically about business and marketing. Um, your program, I'm going to guess, has not always been as robust uh, as it is now. Um, and, and perhaps we could frame it for advisors working with some smaller staffs. Um, what are some kind of entry points to business and marketing for um, advisors who are newer to their programs or um, advisors who are looking to, to do a little bit of work maybe over the summertime to get ready for, for what's coming in the year ahead? Sure, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because I think that the best way to market your yearbook um, is to create a brand with your staff, whether no matter what size you have or, or what demographic you know you're, you're serving. I think the idea is to create a space uh, where kids want to be um, so, uh, you know, for example, an issue we've had recently was um, boys dropping off of staff. And my theory is you can't put out a really good yearbook for the entire student body unless you have a very diverse staff. So the, the goal was then, you know, what are we doing? It's it's not what are we doing wrong, but it's, you know, what can we do differently to, to attract a different type of yearbook staffer? And... I think that's a really good question to ask every year, like throughout the year. And then of course, you know, at the, at the end of a year and moving into a new one, which is, you know, what are we doing right now that, that we could do better as far as, you know, creating a better environment, creating a better experience. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, and I've been victim to this too, yearbook advisors, we tend to think that we, we have the answer to everything because we've done this. Um, even if we have two years of experience, that's two years more than our students. So we tend to sort of direct and lead without maybe asking questions and peeling back and, and figuring out what is it that we can or we want to do better. And with a different group of student leaders each year, I find um, we at, at Tesserae are, are constantly reinventing and reassessing and, and trying not, it sounds like you're in agreement, to, to not take for granted this is the way that it's always been, this is the way we need to do it. Right. I, I think that's the scary part is, you know, once you you feel like you've had a successful year, and let's be honest, when you, when you put out a yearbook, any yearbook, that's a successful year. Absolutely. And, and once you've had that success, you're like, I, you know, I just, I have to hang on to that. How we did it last year worked. And so I don't want to change anything because it's too scary already. There are too many unknown variables. And, and in reality, it's, it's actually really kind of fun to peel back, as I said, and sort of say, like, what can we do differently? You know, we, we did something that worked last year, but it's a whole new year. Like you're not looking at the same set of memes that you were looking at last year, or maybe, like what even is this ASMR video stuff that people are so fascinated with? You know, that didn't even exist a couple of years ago. And now people are just dumping a ton of time into it. And so just looking around you, and of course, this does lead into marketing and, and branding, of course, just looking around and saying like, what is it that people are interested in and how can we get there with what we're doing? That that can make it really fun every year. Right. And mindful that the, the January um, typically brings us back to the to the labs um what advice do you have based on your experience with recruitment and retention what advice do you have for advisors who are know that they need to diversify their staffs uh, carrie faust uh, advisor in colorado one of the yearbook besties and a, and a friend of the podcast um, she takes your sentiment and says your staff can't cover the school if your staff doesn't look like the school right yeah uh, which sounds like you guys are, are kindred spirits on that so um, before we dive fully into business and marketing, a, a quick tip or two on, on recruitment and kind of things you're keeping in mind right now as you're looking to the year ahead? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I have a friend, a yearbook advisor, Margie Raper at, um, in Texas. In Texas and, and yeah. She says, I think one of her students actually said, um, the school, the campus is our yearbook classroom. And 
And I think that's really important because um, you can tend to get like a beehive mentality on a yearbook staff or on any, I guess, journalism program where you're kind of working in this room, like a bunch of busy bees, you know, um, hovering around this space. And it can create, I think, a sense of uh, mystery, but also a sense of exclusion. So if there's a way to open up um, your yearbook space, and try to invite the rest of the school in. And there are lots of tricks and, and sort of more organic ways of doing that, like holding your your interviews in the classroom or um, creating a little photo studio within your classroom just to try to create more foot traffic. Um, and also just trying to be less exclusive and less judgmental in um, how students are out covering events, like whatever, um, sorry for this sort of, new age word, but whatever kind of aura that you're putting off as a, as a journalist is going to either make or break your program, I think. And it sounds like you're saying too, you know, you're, you're marketing the book to sell it, but you're also marketing your program and the esteem with which your student body holds your program. Um, because both of those things can benefit your, your end game, selling more books and, and continuing that, that positive staff culture on, on your staff. Yeah. I really think that they go hand in hand. Absolutely. So let's go into business and marketing a bit. Um, and I want to loop back to a question that I that I um, d- didn't ask real cleanly uh, before. You've been at this, you said, about 22 years. Um, I've got to assume some of your business and marketing development happens in the summertime, or you at least start thinking about it. Maybe you as advisor, perhaps you with some of your student leadership team. But could you give us just kind of an overview of the Echo's um, business and, and marketing approach, and, and again, assuming that it starts in, in summer and continues right through to delivery and perhaps beyond. Sure, yeah, I'll try to try to do that. Um, I tend to name my editors in January for the um, upcoming next year. So, like in a couple of weeks, we'll be naming um, new editors, new student leaders, and I've had. A, I started out with one marketing editor. Um, I've had as many as four. I've gone down to two. I'm going back up to three next year. So it, it shifts and it changes sort of depending on, um, you are really, I really think finding the right person to fill that role, somebody who, um, you know, is rather outgoing, uh, interested in social media and looking at trends, um, somebody with a really positive attitude is what I tend to look for someone organized, um, and so then as soon as that person jumps on board, uh, they're going to start job shadowing the whoever is working in that role this year. So they get a little bit of time to, to do that. Um, and so, yeah, pretty much starting with whenever we figure out our theme, which is generally May um, of the year before we start our yearbook, we're, we're a fall delivery. So right around in May, once uh, we figured out what our next year's theme is going to be, we use that theme. We take that theme and try to come up with um, spinoff slogans um, and concepts to use to create a brand and then a, a graphic look for uh, marketing for the next year. So um, our current theme, our current theme is one more thing. So we can really play on the word one um, and thing. And even more. So using those words to try to build sort of a brand and like how when you buy a yearbook, you're getting more connected to the school or it's one thing that you'll keep for the rest of your life. Um, so starting really simple by building a theme um, and then working into just trying to get inside people's heads and remind them, you know, since the yearbook only comes out once a year, um, we try to remind everybody that we're we might only publish once a year, but we're there every single day. So using um, Snapchat, um, Instagram, Twitter to try to just sort of connect with the student body, um, sharing photos with them, sharing stories, honoring um, achievements of other kids around the school, um, celebrating our own successes, just sort of staying with the students over the summer and into the school year when we have our our traditional kickoff that I think most people do, selling yearbooks to orientation. Um, I think really the most important thing, I think, is trying to connect with parents um, because really they 
are the ones buying the yearbook. And oftentimes they have a better sense of how important a yearbook is than a kid, you know, who doesn't really know how important it'll be, what a keepsake it will become. So just trying to have, um, you know, face-to-face contact with parents, but then also we've been really big on emailing them, um, reaching out to them on Facebook because that's where they are. And then this, the newer thing that we've been doing is actually mailing things home to them on postcards or in envelopes, which can be a little bit pricey, but tends to really bring a lot of um, interest in, in senior proud parent ads and in yearbook sales. Um, so just handwriting notes or handwriting postcards and personalizing them um, has, I think what's old is new. So where um, junk mail used to be kind of this junky thing that people would throw out, now I think it's kind of a novelty among all this digital um, garbage that kind of swirls around us. So there's a lot there for us to uh, to unpack. Let's talk about naming your editors early, just briefly. You mentioned job shadowing. Is that the biggest advantage for you to get them in early and, and watch how it all happens? Oh yeah, I, d- I definitely think um, the success of the the program at my school has been from men- mentorships. You know, and just this idea that once you're a leader on a staff, that really gives you an opportunity. I think the kids all know they have an opportunity to reinvent and to create some sort of a legacy with what they do. So um, they really look up to the kids that are ahead of them. And then once they're in that role, they just want to kind of soak up everything and then figure out how to change it and make it their own the next year. Right. And speaking of editors, I was really pleased to hear that you um, do have such a strong social media presence. And I think I've I've got your kids uh, as a follow on Twitter. are they in editorial control of the content and, and have the passwords and all the rest? Or did that start with you and still rests with you? And, and how has that gone with school administrators and, you know, the kids' free speech rights and, and all of that? Sure, yeah. Um, since we've started all of our social media um, outlets, they, it's always been the students. Um, I do have passwords. I, I do keep them just in case, but um, my students are the ones who are posting, except to Facebook, which to be honest, they're not, um, they're not too keen on it. So I tend to run the Facebook page because that's, that's where I am. Um, although I've just recently um, told my student that it really, uh, she needs to get on Facebook and learn how to use that. And, and again, <laughs> that's, you know, if you're going to be a marketing editor, right, you have to be able to market to to everybody, so to all audiences. Now, I think that students really do need to be in control of, of social media. And um, my school never really questioned. I think they they there's a lot of trust that they put in what we do because of you know we work really hard to try to bring a a positive product. Um, you know, we make mistakes just like everybody else does in our publications. But overall, I think they know that we're trying to build you know, something that has some integrity and is positive in our community. So they, they've always let the students run. They've never even asked me about it. That's fantastic. Um, as a fault delivery book, that's a, a foreign experience to me. We, we come out um, the week of Memorial Day in, in May each year. Um, you mentioned... Uh, oh, did, I'm so sorry. Did I say fall delivery? I am so sorry. Spring yeah. delivery. I don't know. Oh, you I'm... are spring delivery. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so cross that off the list because I was going to ask about <laughs> delivering in, in fall and also selling it at orientation. Um, we, we do that as well that on our, um, we call it, you know, back to school night or open house night, whatever it is. Um, we've got a, a table set up in the cafeteria um, and that's our lowest price point of the year is that 24 hours um, with uh, back to school night. Uh, if you're able and willing to share a little bit about your um, structure and, and business operations. Can you share with listeners, do you, do you guys use a tiered pricing system where it gets higher as the year goes on? Yeah, sure we do. We have, um, it's our yearbook is $65 um, during orientation in August. And then on Labor Day, it goes up to 70 when it stays at 70. Actually, scratch that. We recently raised it at 70 at the beginning of the year. I'm sorry, I'm not a numbers person. 70 um, at orientation, and then it goes up to 75. Um, which it stays at 75 until the 1st of February. And then the price goes up to 80, which is where it stays until we sell out. 
And how many pages? How much content? Um, 384 pages. Yeah, that's a bargain. And I'm sure you have people tell you that it's too expensive. It's, you know, I just, no matter what the price is that you put on a yearbook, yep. every school thinks that it's expensive. Absolutely. And yeah. if uh, it's possible for you to share, how many copies uh, do you put out to your student body? How many, how many are purchased? Uh, we purchase usually between 1350 and 1400 That's great. So you're about half the school. Yeah, I'd say it's about half the school. Yep. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's huge. Um, you talked about the, the parent connections um, using email and Facebook. Um, we, we've got on our end a weekly phone call on Friday that goes home to the parents and we're able to provide about two lines worth of scripting to our principal and she records that for us. Um, the mailers that you mentioned, uh, I know you work with Jostens. Are you able to leverage any kind of um, kind of automated mailers with them or can they look at your non-buyers lists online and, and help you and support um, you and other Jostens schools that way? Yeah, yeah. We are enrolled in a program um, with Jostens where they will mail home probably four times a year. They do uh, mailers home and then also email blasts in conjunction. Those really do help. It's yeah. it's it's really been remarkable because we used to have to work so hard to, you know, send those emails home ourselves or um, the mailings home. And it's kind of cool because I can sometimes I can just hop on and look at our sales report online and and realize that like wow we just sold you know 150 yearbooks you know in the last two weeks. Oh yeah, that must be because you know just went out. The mailer. Right. right. Um, the. And it sounds though too like let me interject. So we worked, as you know, with Herf Jones, and and they uh, have an automated mailer a few times a year for us as well. Um, listeners, please talk to your yearbook representatives because I think all of the major companies are doing that now. Uh, if they haven't been doing it for a few years, anyhow, and that's a remarkably effective tool um, to which Ava and I can both attest. Um, but you were talking about some handwritten notes too. So you've got your kids have some skin in the game and are are doing this kind of frontline uh, push with reaching out to parents, yeah? Yeah, yeah, one of the um, kind of cool ideas, we noticed it like with a lot of catalogs is that, um, that we're coming around the last couple of years is that, or like you probably have had mail in, in your mailbox that looks like it was handwritten and so you tend to open it because it was handwritten, right? And right. you realize it was, you know, the real estate agent down the street or something, um, you know, more of a mass mailing. But um, we once we finish producing the book, which we usually finish right around spring break, um, so mid-March, um, early April, we will go grab our coverage report and see who's been covered in the yearbook like two, three, or more times, and then make a list. And then it's kind of a staff project where everybody on the staff has to go through and pick people to handwrite letters to. So it might be somebody that they actually covered and they can say, Hey, you know, Hey Joe, like I'm writing you. Cause remember I did that story on you and, and, you know, here's a screenshot, you know, right. printed in black and white. Here's what it looks like. You're also on page 22 and 184 and, um, by yearbook. <laughs> and I think, you know, parents, when they see that, they're like, you know, <laughs> That's the coolest thing ever. Their kid is in the yearbook in, in three different places. And um, so those kind of personal letters and sometimes we'll just do a postcard mailing where we, we list off the pages and then give the website where they can buy the yearbook. Th those are really valuable. We might sell two or sometimes even 300 yearbooks doing a, a campaign like like that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And and two, um, as an added you know bonus, uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but flipping the script on that and looking at kids who have bought but who aren't yet covered, um, right. that that's huge. And 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 it sounds sometimes it, it sounds almost a little bit crass to to speak of it so plainly. But if a kid has invested somewhere between sixty to eighty, some schools up to a hundred, hundred and ten dollars in a book, and they're not in it, um, that's a really dangerous place for the yearbook staff to be. I, I don't want to say dangerous. That sounds a little nope. dramatic, but. No, no, I think, I think there's, Michael, that's, I mean, we, I use that word invested all the time and I don't mean it financially. It's like, it's like they believe in us, you know, they're willing to drop money and they've never even seen the product. They believe right. in us. So, right. you know, we should go out and we should be curious in who they are. Yeah. And especially with the earlier deadlines, I know one of our first orders of business in January is to say who is on the bot not covered list, which is just cross-referencing the, obviously the buyer's list and then the hit list or the, we stopped calling it the hit list. It's the, <laughs> we love you too much list. 
Um, but <laughs> that that coverage report that you speak of—that's probably the, the the most neutral way to, to, to describe it. Yeah. Uh, the, anyhow, those are those lists are gold mines uh, for for you and your staffs, and uh, it sounds like both the Echo and, and Tesseray staff make uh, agile use of them. Um, I want to shift a little bit. You mentioned briefly senior tribute ads, senior baby ads. You include those. I'd like you to speak a little bit about your process with those and, and marketing those to your senior class. Maybe we can get into a little bit. I, I don't know if you have a sense of, of coverage on those, what percentage of your seniors purchase them. And um, then, too, if, if you do participate in it, I'd love to hear about any business ad operations from local small business owners. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, actually, the senior proud parent ads is my current mystery that we're trying to figure out right now. We've noticed that our sales on those have gone down. Our, our page count um, has gone down over the last four years. Um, and so the goal this year was to try to boost it, which interestingly, we sold more ads, but fewer pages. Um, and so I'm not sure. Smaller sizes then, right? Yeah, yeah, smaller sizes, more like quarter page, um, half page, fewer full page ads, which um, I'm not really sure how that's going to shake out in terms of finances. As I said, I'm not very good with numbers until I sit down and really crunch them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we're stuck right now with something ridiculous, like 14 or 16 empty pages, and we just finished our our deadline for selling those. are you able to cut a SIG from production at this point? Yeah. Um, Maybe. Not really sure how to yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we can. Technically, we can. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to fill them. So we're working on a, a campaign right now to try to to dip back in. And um, so I'm, I'm going to push pause on that one because that's, yeah. that's really a mystery and we're trying to investigate. So maybe part two. Um, I can tell you the success or failure of the 16 pages. Well, and if, if you're comfortable with it, and we can we can certainly uh, bypass this, but if uh, I think there's other advisors who are listening who may be struggling with some of the same things. Um, so none of this offered critically, um, but just as, as inquiry, do you think you guys have priced yourselves out uh, on the top end and, and maybe need to come back down and reassess that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, we might have. You know, it's... Um, we watched after the what was it the 20 whatever 2009 recession um we watched people really honestly struggle financially to to buy your book or and certainly the luxury of of a parent ad we know now that people are doing financially so much better um which i can tell based on the business participation and ads which i'll talk about in a second but yeah i think maybe we might have priced ourselves out just at the you know the household level, right? Um, at the prices they are really really expensive right now. Um, it's something like seventy dollars is the, the at the we have two deadlines. It's, so it's a tiered pricing system. Seventy dollars for an eighth of a page, which is like a business card size, um, and then it goes up to like eighty five. Um, so that and that's pretty small. That's like two photos and a couple of sentences, right? So. Right. It go. I think the bad prices for a full page top out at like three hundred and fifty dollars for a full page. Which was going to lead me to my next question. Um, just and just running some numbers on the fly. If you're doing eighth of a page at seventy dollars, that's five hundred and sixty dollars for a full page worth mm-hmm. of eighths, right? Mm-hmm. And so then to hear your top size, your your full page going about three hundred dollars. Um, a lot of advisors who haven't been doing this a while or if you want to think about like that extra value meal aspect of it like you give them more and the price comes down it's actually better for us at tesseray and it sounds like for you at echo to sell a page worth of eighths because we come out 160 dollars ahead right we get more money out of it um but i'll be interested to follow up with you and, and kind of see how you tackle that and and what you discuss with your kids um have you ever run uh, run the numbers and and shown them data year on year uh, and looked back at some spreadsheets before you set your pricing rates for the year ahead or before you set your budget? No, no, I'm going to come team teach with you because um, okay. I need to learn. This is a part of advising that I'm just terrible at, and no, I need to do that. So thanks for the inspiration. Yeah, no worries. I and, and I don't want to 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 hold forth. Um, <laughs> kind of flip the script here, but you know, one of the things that we um, that we really pride ourselves on at Tesseray, which is why I love geeking out with other advisors about business and marketing. I always learn something, yeah. and then um, I, I say uh, humbly, it's always fun to share too. 
Um, but one of the things that we do is, is sit down with our kiddos uh, either over the summertime uh, or very, very early in the year and say, this is the trend data from the last three years or here were our final um, you know, our, our final revenue numbers f- over the last few years, and that's at such and such a price point. Do we want to hedge things up? Do we feel like things are holding steady? Do we want to do, do we want to do more with the book with a really funky cover treatment that's going to require, you know, four or $5,000? Um, and where does that money come from? Those are great conversations that our kids absolutely need to be involved in. And I'm not saying that to you, but just to listeners in general, um, Respectfully, I've met a lot of advisors who just make those decisions themselves and and don't include the kids. And um, these are in programs that are otherwise doing great journalism and and you know practicing uh, or or supporting the kids and exploring uh, real practical um, you know day to day skill sets um, that they'll be able to carry forward into their college and career and beyond. And if we're not doing that with business and marketing, too, I think we're missing just massive opportunities uh, for our kids' education. Well, and I think it's it's the, you know, the ownership that they need to buy in to actually have them lead on that rather than having, you know, so many advisors. And, and I've been there. I think probably all of us have been there, like where we're pulling out our hair because we're in charge of everything. Yes. And, you know, I think the more like just thinking about how to how to teach students how to care and be invested. Like what you're talking about right now is, is inspiring me, you know, to go back and have this conversation with my senior ads editor. So yeah, it's great. You said that uh, you're, you do have a a business ad uh, component as well from local small business owners. Yes. Yeah. That's been really um, fun um, and successful. Also, we um, probably about eight years ago, um, Somebody came up with a quotation one of my students brought, and, and I'll kind of slaughter this, but it's like, um, buying an advertisement is a favor, but um, investing in a sponsorship is a privilege. So we changed our terminology um, so that it was not, so we're not doing ads anymore. We do sponsorships. And at the same time, we pulled, we actually pulled the advertising technically out of the back of the book, you know, the traditional, like, here's a business card or here's a quarter page or a half page ad. Um, we don't put those in the back of our book anymore. And instead we tried to figure out what we could offer to any small local business that would, um, help get their name out there and not just in the back of a yearbook once a year on a bookshelf, but like what, what avenues could we open up to, you know, to advertise for them. So now we have, three different levels that we offer uh, of sponsorships and each package um, has a different benefit. So starts as basic as being a paid sponsor and having um, the business sponsorship listed in the folio um, on a page or a couple of pages in the yearbook and listed in the index and listed in the business sponsor. We do have a, a double page spread where we list all of our business sponsors. And then it builds up to um, including them in a parent newsletter that goes home every month um, as a list of people, a list of businesses who have sponsored the yearbook. And it moves up to, um, we have a banner that hangs in our gymnasium where all of our athletic competitions and parent conferences are. And we um, will publish the people who have purchased the top end, the, the platinum sponsorships there. So Um, and there are a couple of other things like we use Twitter, we'll, you know, tweet the business of the week, um, and Facebook and on our website, we get a lot of traffic on our, um, Grand Blank High School Echo yearbook webpage. So we have a a tab there for all of our sponsors. So just any place that we can promote the businesses that are supporting us. And it's been really, um, it's been really awesome. We've, I think we probably make about between fourteen and fifteen thousand um, dollars on those sponsorships. That is that, okay. So I'm going to come over to Grand Blank and yeah. and I'll have a little bit of support time with your crew on senior tribute ads. I'm going to fly you, or I'll just bring you home with me, and we can talk through all things business um, because that is that's remarkable. I love it. I love all of it. I um I visited a school for a workshop probably two years ago and along their main drag, every school has, you know, the main, the main hall. And, um, they had 
well, I don't know. I'm going to make up the language. It was, you know, proud partners of Millersville High School or whatever. And they had gone to Michael's and gotten Michael's uh, or Hobby Lobby, you know, the the craft Mm -hmm. shops and gotten a pretty um, uh, nice looking, but probably pretty low budget um, document frame. And they made eight and a half by 11 like certificates or or kind of shout outs, ads, whatever. Um, I don't think they included the business's uh, artwork or logo, but it just said, you know, you know, J&R Plumber, uh, gold, gold sponsor and, yeah. um, you know, such and such media platinum sponsor right down their main dragon. It was up in front of the kids and the families and guests to that school uh, 24 hours a day. And, That's and it sounds cool. Very, That's yeah, it very sounds very cool. much like what you're doing with your banner, which I love. Yeah. yeah. Um this is sort of um, self-serving in some ways. We do for everybody who does um, have a sponsorship, and I think they range from seventy-five. Dot, nope, they're up to a hundred now. A hundred dollars to three hundred dollars. Um, we have we put out a little eleven by seventeen poster, and uh, you know, it's, you know, thank we thank we thank you for supporting um, the students who produce the Echo Yearbook, and then self-servingly it's kind of nice when you walk into a business and you see the poster that you know your kids have designed with their photography on it you know hanging up you know we usually put a bunch of photos that represent sort of the activities at our school and make a nice collage on this poster and then the businesses will lovingly hang it you know and it's cool to see our work out there and hanging up on their walls too so absolutely yeah um so tell me a little bit about what you do with your money. Um, and it's, it's a pretty crass and open question, but you know, I always preach at workshops and at the national conventions and I always, I, you know, I, I play it like a dad joke or, or something that I say to the people in my captioning session or a photo session, you know, what's the number one job of a yearbook staff? And invariably somebody comes up with this schmaltzy, you know, to record and preserve the history of the year. And I, and then I make a huge deal out of saying, no, you know, that's adorable, but that's wrong. The number one job of the yearbook staff is to sell the book because at the end of the year, uh, if we've got in my office, you know, a box worth of, or many boxes worth of, of unopened uh, books, then that's just money sitting in a box. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's marketing and business first, and then coverage and content second. It's very close second because that's how then we get books into people's hands is by covering their stories. That mm-hmm. just goes to follow. Um, our extra money though helps pay for lenses or lighting equipment, or um, you know helps defray the cost of a. Um, a hoodie for everybody on staff or something like that. Uh, certainly a, a big one with our business ads is that uh, after a certain price point, the kids are able to earn money to help them travel to national conventions. So could you explore with me a little bit about uh, opportunities for your staff and and ways that that compares or that you do things differently? Yeah, um, no, that's great. Uh, All of that we do, I think I would say we pretty much spend our money the same way that you do. Um, one of the things I went to one of your photo sessions uh, at a convention, and I, I remember you were talking about different, like different ways to invest in lighting equipment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and it's not that expensive actually, but just making sure that you you have equipment that you're, um, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of money on a camera body, but they don't understand the importance of you know really good lenses yep. um, and lighting. So we do spend a lot of our money on equipment. And one of my philosophies is if it breaks, we fix it immediately because it doesn't do us any good to have broken equipment. So like last year was one of those years where I think we spent about 3000 maybe almost $4,000 repairing equipment. Um, so, and that was like, that was like the year that we just bled, you know, like equipment problems. Um, so we do spend a lot of money that way. Kids who are on my staff, um, if they sell, they have to sell two sponsorships. If they sell a third sponsor, which by the way, they do over the summer, okay. um, which I can talk about too. Um, they have to sell two sponsorships. And then if they sell above and beyond that, the next one, they get a free yearbook. Okay. Um, and then after that, if they're serious about going to convention, um, yeah, definitely let them sell extra sponsorships to use to defray the cost of conventions. Sometimes 
Um, I have kids in the program that who are young, who are super motivated and interested, and I'll just give them a scholarship, you know, from extra funds that we have. If I believe, if, you know, investing in them early and then encouraging them to invest in our program. So, so yeah. When you, we don't get our full um, course roster until late August. So, uh, and we're back to school at Labor Day. Uh, our business ad sales are from essentially September 1st through about October 15th or so. Um, are you working with a full staff list over summer so the kids can get out and sell? Yeah, I, I'm really, really fortunate. I have my full staff list usually in March of the previous year. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I know. I'm so So lucky. a whole bunch of uh, podcast listeners just gasped in uh, <laughs> appreciation so and, and longing. Yeah, yeah wow. That's great. Well, listen, um, what are two bits of advice, Ava, that you would have for, for advisors who really are feeling the need to, to tackle some of what we've talked about? Um, I know sometimes in, in creating this podcast over the last year, um, I've, I've tried to be sensitive about not saying, you know, do these 20 things. It can be overwhelming, right? right? So right. What's, the, what's the top line takeaway? One or two things that advisors, um, particularly here, you know, the back half of the year as they're trying to push through maybe maybe advisors have two thirds of their book sales left in front of them or need to close uh, some gaps on their budget. Um, where would you direct advisors to, to spend their energy? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would say as, as much as you can share what you've created already to create a buzz, um, whether talking it's about sharing spreads on online and things. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing, um, sharing spreads online or even modules or even photos, um, teasers from stories, you know, Twitter would be great for, if you have a good lead for a story, right. um, you know, just, I think maybe sharing what you've already created, maybe even taking a day, you know, we're so, um, productions based and we're so driven. We work I think most yearbook kids come in and they just, you know, if they're serious about what they're doing, they get down to business and they get going and they get caught up in that. But taking t a day out or even, you know, we take a week in uh, February um, to do our yearbook week and everybody, we just push pause on production of the actual book for a week and we develop some really fun ways that we can um, create interest or create a buzz um, there's a million and one ways to do it, you know, from we did a flash mob or a flash freeze one year, which doesn't cost you anything, um, all the way up to doing those mailings that we talked about earlier in the podcast. But maybe just taking time out and knowing that, like, it's not just one, not the advisor's job, and it's not just like your marketing person's job. It's everybody's job to, you know, promote the book. So even just taking maybe 20, 25, 30 minutes out of class and uh, figuring out what are the ways that you want to promote what we've already done mm -hmm. um, could could yield some really great ideas that you and I have never even thought of. Right. And I think if the kids come up with the ideas on their own, they're more excited about it. Right. There's more buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we did uh, last year, I think the last two years, is took our non-buyers list and um, pushed it into a uh, Google spreadsheet that we shared amongst the staff. And it was a race to get into the spreadsheet fast enough to claim uh, between, we said minimum five, maximum 10 people by putting your initials next to their name, uh, that th those five or 10 people you would text or snap or Instagram chat, whatever it is, um, to say, hey, uh, you haven't bought the book yet. Here's the link for the online purchase. And it was, I think it was 48 hours before a price change. Um, so it was a kind of a maximum push. Um, and, and your, 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 um, sentiment about it, not just being your business and marketing team's responsibility, right? It's shared by everybody on your team. And if, um, I've got a staff of 40 and they're each texting five unique individuals, then we just reached out to 200. Yeah. Um, that's it's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, anything else for, uh, what, what about for a newer advisor who's feeling a, a little bit overwhelmed right now? What words of encouragement do you have for them? Yeah, um, for a newer advisor, um, well, first of all, you're awesome because you're doing this here, and here. you you are going to get it done. The book is going to come out and your school is going to absolutely love it because love it, it's going to be their book from this year. So um, take stock in that and take time to breathe. Um, 
and you know, I'm a big yoga person. So I've learned a lot about just knowing that, you know, what we're doing, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not life or death. Um, it's important. It matters, but, um, just taking some time to kind of relax a little bit, um, and not feel the pressure all on our own shoulders. Right. So, um, working with student being, I think also being honest with your students about, you know, how you're feeling, um, you know, these are hard conversations to have with students is you don't want to like burden them with your frustrations and you don't want to be the crabby person who's complaining, but, you know, just saying, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I've taken too much on and, um, I, I need some help. So, you know, kids, I think respond really well to that. Um, when I bring that to the table, um, a healthy self-care regimen is really important yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Um, Ava Batsu, uh, it is 2019. What's your New Year's book resolution? <laughs> uh, New Year's book resolution. Um, trying to learn to say um, okay and instead of okay but. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, when you feel like you think you have the answer to everything or you're worried about failing, I think that we tend to put a lot of roadblocks up you know, not just for our students, but for ourselves. So, um, you know, it, so what if, if your yearbook isn't, you know, it doesn't look like the yearbook that you've always dreamed of. Um, it's got its own personality. So maybe just kind of like going with the flow of what, you know, the, what you, your kids want to do or, um, opening yourself up to options. Yeah. Let's just say yes. And I love it. Friends, that is Ava Batu, the advisor of ECHO at Grand Blanc High School, a uh, 2019 JEA H.L. Hall Special Recognition Yearbook Advisor of the Year, and much deservedly so. Congratulations again, friend. Thanks a lot, Michael. I really appreciate it. This was lots of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast today, and we'll, uh, we'll check back with you soon. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that listen uh, in my conversation with Ava. It's one that I'm going to have to go back to uh, time and time again, I think, and, and listen to. Certainly one that I'm going to share with my business managers and uh, my, my co-advisor, Katie, uh, who handles all of our business operations. Uh, Ava's crew is, is getting it done up there. Uh, the Grand Blank program is a great follow on Twitter. I'll include their handle in the uh, podcast description. But uh, I want to thank Ava for that and, and make sure that I, that I note she was recognized again as a special recognition advisor in the 2018 HL Hall Yearbook Advisor of the Year uh, competitions. Uh, my next guest, Rebecca Pollard, uh, was also uh, recognized there uh, at the distinguished level. And uh, that episode with Rebecca will be hitting your feeds another week or maybe another week or two um, as uh, season two continues. Friends, remember that if uh, you want to be in touch, you can get in touch via email at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. Online on Twitter, it's at yearbookwise. That's yearbook, W-H-Y-S. Don't forget about our friends over at Mind the Gutter uh, with the Herf Jones podcast or the uh, trio of podcasts now available at uh, the Walsworth Yearbook Podcast Network. None of them are uh, are to be missed, and uh, I'm really glad to be part of the uh the growing podcast uh, resources that are out there for advisors and staff members alike. As the uh, snow flies up here in upstate New York, I wish you well. If you're out on a three-day weekend uh, with the Martin Luther King observance, then enjoy that. And uh, well, anyway, friends, for now, be well. Good luck. We'll talk soon.